have you ever wanted to guest on a podcast like this one that you're listening to right now? Well, you can. You can definitely do this by visiting a website called Podmatch, where you can sign up and be available for all different types of podcasts that you can guest on. Or you can even search for a podcast and say, I want to I want to guest on your podcast. I think we'd be a good match. So if you want to do this, you can go to our unique link, which is joinpodmatch.com forward slash reality. And you can sign up and do exactly that. And you can find us and you can guest on our podcast. So again, that unique link is www.joinpodmatch.com. That's J-O-I-N-P-O-D-M-A-T-C-H.com forward slash reality, R-E-A-L-I-T-E-A. And you can be a guest on our podcast. Welcome to Reality Tea Times 2, the podcast where we discuss all the trash reality TV we love to hate. I'm Tanika, and today we are going to be discussing B90. So, we do have, well, Pacos, I guess, if it's what you want to call it. Um, nothing too exciting. Well, except for maybe one. So we have a couple. Actually, scratch that. We have one and we will have another one for Bachelorette because it's a little more pertaining to that. Um, so the hot gas that I have, and this is Selling Sunset related, it's more about the drama between Chelsea and Brie from the previous season. So apparently Chelsea feels bad for the way she acted with Brie. She says that I respect her, Brie, but I don't have a relationship with her. Very rarely do I regret something I've said, but I regret how my relationship with her started. So yeah, that's probably definitely a good approach is to feel bad because it was just a little too much. Um, she also said, and we kind of did discuss this in the, on the podcast for Selling Sunset, um, this would have been three months ago. Um, she says, I projected a lot of my unhealed trauma onto her, which I don't think is fair. And I can understand why we have that rift in our relationship. My approach could have been a lot better. And I also agree with that. Um, but I guess, yeah, they, they, in this article that I read, they said that we will, I guess, see how things turn out between the two of them in the season seven, which is set to premiere sometime in October. So we'll keep a lookout on that, um, for when that comes out. But yeah, until then we have lots we could talk about. <laughs> so let's get into 
the memes for B90 this week. So meme number one. Dempsey said, no, ma'am. No, no, no. You can live down the street. Yeah. Meme number two. Was told she was toxic. So to prove everyone wrong, she sleeps with Rosvin. Rosvin. That'll show them. That's exactly what I thought as well at one point. We'll get to that in a second. Meme number three. According to Rosvin, things escalated last night when Amanda wanted french fries at 3 a.m. But Rosvin told her the hotel restaurant was closed and Amanda told him another guy would have gotten them for her. Now that's just fucking privilege. You need to have french fries at 3 o'clock in the morning? No, you don't. Meme number four. Sheila's house is being held together by termites. And Kimberly on 90 Day Toe is throwing daily tantrums because her bathroom has no door. Way to put things into perspective. Meme number five. While touring the castle, Rosvin offered Amanda his shirt to wipe her sweat, and she responded with, any excuse to take your shirt off? Huh. Me number six, I think is what we're on. (laughs) Tyree and Carmella took a selfie together that Tyree then sent to Christian. That's fucking baller. I'll have to give him that. Meme number seven. Jasmine booked the cooking class as a surprise for Gino so they could try cooking together again with the quote-unquote proper equipment. Okay, so that's it for the memes for this week. There, of course, are more that is going to be on our socials once this episode airs. So the reason that we are here, B90, Season 6, Episode 11, titled, For Fuck's Sakes, St. Elmo's Fire. You guys over at MSR Productions, please stop it. Stop it. Anyway, we're going to start with Amanda and Rosvin. We had a lot with these two this week. Um, so we wake up in the morning and he says that he's exhausted after last night. And then Amanda tells us that the last few days have been good between the two of them. And they stayed up all night and had sex all night. I'm shocked, y'all. I'm so shocked you actually had sex with this man. I'm, I'm shook I didn't think she actually would do it, but here we are. He asks if she wants another ride. That would have got me. I'm like, yes, please. Let's do this. <laughs> she, well, of course, there's cameras, so I mean, not those kinds of cameras. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> he, she says that it was really difficult to hear from Deanna, that's his name, right? Um, that her relationship is toxic and she wanted to do better. And I said, so let me get this straight, Amanda. You fuck this guy to prove a point? Why am I not fucking surprised? Anyway, 
she thought it would be hard to be with someone after Jason, but she says it wasn't that hard. It wasn't hard to have sex. I'm, I'm sure. Never mind. So, um, they are going on a trip on our favorite rocket ship, um, to Dracula's castle. Y'all, I was super excited for this. I'm like, oh my God, let's do it. Show me Dracula's home. Let's do it. Um, so Dracula's castle is in Brazov, Braz, Brazov. I hope it's in that, right? Um, so he tells us that he decided to postpone the music video until after Amanda leaves because he recognizes that she was uncomfortable with the idea of him kissing another girl. And he also just wants to spend as much time with her as possible because they only have a limited amount of time together before she goes back. So they are now going to the castle. And he, when they get there, he asks her, are you scared? Because y'all, she walks to a fucking restaurant and she's scared. She walks into a forest and she's scared. But she's at fucking Dracula's castle. <laughs> Obviously Dracula is not real. Forget it. I, I know this. I'm just fascinated. But you're scared of things that are not meant to be scary, but then you're at Dracula's castle and you're not scared. All right. I think that makes sense. Anyway, they end up racing up the hill to the castle. And I was shocked yet again because, guys, she's actually laughing and having fun. I have not seen this woman crack a smile yet. And she's smiling and she's laughing. And I'm like, oh my God, she has a personality. Who knew? Anyway, he ends up winning the race. And he says that this is what he hoped the trip would be. So we're happy that he's happy. So, and the next thing we see them in, she says that she doesn't think that the castle is actually romantic. No, of course not. It's not romantic. Nothing is romantic about Dracula. Although they try to make it, they romanticize him or whatever. She tells us that the the castle and Dracula on, on a whole, it's based off uh, uh, an urban legend of a king that lived in the castle who did really horrible things to people. And I said, that's probably the closest thing to the truth. Um, and uh, she thinks that the idea of it, though, of them going to this place, that's what's romantic. So I said, okay, I can, we're, we're doing very good here. Then I go to a torture chamber. Okay. And we see what is called an interrogation seat. Now, guys, for those people who didn't watch this episode, I will be posting a picture of not only the interrogation chair so y'all can get a real good view of this, but I'm also going to post another photo that was shown on the episode. 
and you just have to see see it to understand it. Let's just say it's a what the fuck moment. Let's just say that. So you'll have those two photos on the socials as well. Um, so you can see what we all saw for those who didn't watch the episode. So there was a little plaque there beside the chair that gave us a little bit of information. And I, of course I wrote it down and the, 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 the info on the chair says this, and I quote, the interrogation seat was once used in central Europe, particularly in Nuremberg and in Resenberg. I think I said that correctly until 1846, 1846. I was shocked by that. Okay. So let's continue during regular judicial preliminary investigations. The accused was placed nude in such a position that any movement would cause his skin to be pierced by the spears. You'll know what I mean when you see this picture. This torture usually lasted several hours, and the tormentor often heightened the victim's agony by sticking his limbs or by using pliers, eek, or other such instruments on him. These seats came in different shapes and sizes, but were all equipped with spikes and some form of restraints to keep the victim in place and quote, and I'm forever scarred by this. Okay. The fact that this had only ended just shy, let's say, of 200 years is what's baffling to me. Anyway. Um, so at this point now, back to Amanda and Rosman, they start bickering about who is kind of telling the truth and who's going to sit on this interrogation seat to be questioned. And he says, you know what, for example, here's a question for you. When are you going to tell the kids that I'm going to be there? And she says, is that an interrogation type question? He's like, no, no, no. It's just a question. So Rosman, as we find out here, did get approved for his visa. She's happy that he's happy about getting the visa. He feels like he is lying to her kids. Let me, I'm going to have some thoughts here. Let me continue with what she says. Um, but she does say that I will tell them when I think they will be ready. And he thinks that she might be overreacting about how they will react. And she says that it could be, it could be a possibility that her kids don't want him in their lives because he does say like, what if they don't want me there? She's like, it could happen. Um, but we just don't know for sure. Right. And she says like, this is new to her and she doesn't want to feel pushed into telling the kids. They'd eventually go into another room 
that has more torture. And he says, Oh, look, more torture, just like how you're torturing me. And she says, When I tell my kids, or sorry, when I tell my kids, it has nothing to do with you. So, what I'm going to say here is, I don't particularly like Amanda. That's obviously not a surprise. I feel like most people don't like Amanda. But at the same time, what she decides to do with her children is her decision. You you can't be expecting her to do what you want her to do. This when it comes to her children, it is her choice and her decision. You just you don't have a say in that. And if you're uncomfortable with how the speed is going with how she tells her children, well, then you know what to do. So, but I don't disagree with her on the fact that it is her decision because it is her children. So it's the next day and producer asks Amanda, what is going on? And she says that they got into a fight and she feels like they are they are very different and it's just not going to work between them. She then says that she asked him, you know, what is his plan for when he comes to the States? And apparently, according to her, he got very defensive because he thought she was asking if like he would be getting a job right, and be able to fight because she says like, I get the impression that if he can't be an actor or a singer, he just won't do anything. And to her, a man, I don't like that, but a man, she says, who cares about his family will contribute to the household. She feels like he is very prideful. And she says that he said that, you know, she doesn't support his dreams, basically. Now we're with Rosvin and producers ask him how things are like what's happening. And he says, well, he says like it's not good, like things aren't going good. And he says last night was hard. Everything was going good. But then from nothing, he says, she asks, Who do you think has more money? And he says that he felt he couldn't really say anything. Because obviously she has more money than him, but he has never asked her for anything. And he says that she compared him to Jason. Surprise, it only took like a week. And that he would provide for her with anything she wanted. If she wants something, he would go and give it to her. And this makes him feel very hurt. He says he can't win a comparison with Jason, which is very fair. That is exactly correct. He can't. And to compare the two is unfair. She admits that she had said things that hurt him, like that they think that maybe he isn't the type of guy that she was looking for. And then she says the kind of man she's looking for um, would put his pride aside 
do anything for his family. She then says that when she met Jason, he was a manager at a restaurant and I guess worked his way up. Um, and that he had, you know, he had to provide for his family. Rosman says, like, why did you have to basically ruin a good night, right? And then it says that she is trying to make things work, and she says this, but feels in her heart that it just won't work out. So I think actually he said that she said that. He, at this point, starts crying. And then she, we go back to her and she says, I don't feel like we go well together. And says, maybe I got into a relationship too quickly. No fucking shit. And and she says, like, does Rasmin know how to be with someone who has open wounds from losing a husband? And I said, honey, that isn't fully up to him. I think partially he needs to know and be aware that yes, you have dealt with this, but at the end of the day, you are responsible for healing your own wounds. He can't be responsible for healing your wounds. And I feel like that's what she's expecting him to do. And that's just not realistic at all. Um, he says he was trying to keep things good, but he thinks he may be lying to himself. And after not being in a relationship for a while, then maybe it's not the right time. He doesn't want to believe it won't work. And she belonged to her and she thinks maybe we are both broken and trying to see something in each other. So I said, okay, so you guys are trauma bonding. And she starts crying, kind of. And he, back to him, he thinks that maybe she is not ready to be committed or maybe I am not what she needs. And he says, is something wrong with me? And I felt really horrible for him this moment because I'm like, nothing is wrong with you. There's nothing necessarily wrong with her. She's just not going about this the right way. But he says, in the right relationship, you wouldn't feel like that. And I said, amen. And he doesn't know if it's over at this point, and it's very confusing for him. That's basically it for Amanda and Rosman. I feel like the truth lies somewhere in the middle for these two. I'm not exactly sure where <laughs> it kind of lies, but I think the truth definitely lies in the middle with with this. Um, I think there are. I think there are certain things that I believe that she said about him, and there are definitely things I believe that he said about her. So, but yeah, that's it for Amanda and Rasmin um, this week. So now we're with Gino and Jasmine. So they're making some things with corn. <laughs> they 
are then after making the things with corn and eating the things with corn, they're walking on some rocks. And she says that I'm a pro. I can do this in heels because he's like, be careful. So they walk up to a waterfall and he says he could take a shower here. Just give him some soap. And she says that it's kind of cold. Um, and in his own moment, we kind of see here that um, he says that they still have issues to resolve, like her issues with his family. And they are going to be squatting on a rock and call Dana. So she feels very anxious because she wants his family to like her. We're off to a great start. She says it's hard for her to control her mouth. I'm glad she knows because my God, Gino calls and brings up the comments with Dana. And Dana says, I know how much you love her, but I don't know her. And I don't know how much she loves you. I have doubts. And I said, just because you don't know her doesn't mean she doesn't love him. Like, that's not an argument, sir. I was very confused by this. Anyway. Um, so Jasmine says, like, what doubts do you have? And he says, at that time when I did those comments, I had doubt because you do all of these great things. You have facials, you get work done, you get your nails done, you get your hair done. So I'm like, you're getting all of these benefits. And, you know, you're living your best life. And could you really love Gino? Like, is this real? And I said, okay, so you're basically just calling her a gold digger. Just call it what it is. You know? And Jasmine says that the only person I have to prove my love to is Gino. And I said, that is very true. And Dana says, all I hear about are the arguments. That's Gino's fault. If Gino can't talk about the good, don't talk about the bad. Although there's not a lot of good. <laughs> Is that love, Dana says. And Jasmine says, yes, we argue, but he's a grown man. He doesn't need a babysitter. And I am sick and tired of the assumptions. So Dana says, I wasn't trying to interrogate you. It's not my business. And do what you want. And it's kind of a very flippant apology, in my opinion. And then Jasmine's because she says, I don't really buy this apology. And she thinks that he just thinks that she's an opportunist and a gold digger. Gino thinks that, or sorry, Gino then says, thank you for talking with us, Dana. And he, I am happy you guys could, you know, talk some stuff out. And Jasmine gives him this look like, what are you talking about? And I agree, Gino, what are you talking about? Um... Gino says that he kind of hoped that they could have resolved things a little more, um, but Jasmine just won't let it go. And I said, well, you know, Jasmine didn't start this. Your cousin did. So, and he didn't really apologize. It was very flippant. Anyway, 
Um, they say goodbye. But as one of them, I think it was either Gina or Dana, say goodbye to each other, Jasmine just hangs up the phone, made a goodbye. And she's like, oops. <laughs> Um, and then I wrote, I guess we're just going to have to leave this here for now, guys. Anyway, <laughs> so they go, we see them going back to the waterfall to take some pictures. And he thinks that the conversation could have definitely gone a lot better, but at least she didn't blow up, but she didn't try to fix it either. And he says, I would like you to try to fix how you are and what you say about my family. And she says that she should be, oh, sorry, she says that the family should be less involved when she gets there. And he says that he doesn't want that. His family is very important to him. And she acknowledges that it's definitely a problem that she has with her having anxiety. And she says, what would you do, though, if your family doesn't like me? And he says, that's not going to happen. He's like, but what if it does, even if it's unlikely to happen? And he says, well, I would talk to them and find out, like, why they're having issues. Um, but he says that he wouldn't necessarily defend her because it would depend on the situation. This is when she starts to cry. And she says that she's worried that she will lose him. And he says, no, you're not going to lose me. And she says that she hasn't gotten to the States yet. And his family already hates her. Um, She says they will hate her because she knows herself. She starts listing all of these negative things about herself that she blows up, that she's basically everything that we've seen on the show. And she acknowledges that it's a problem. And she has been dealing with this all of her life. She tends to put a defense mechanism up where she, before someone can hurt her, she hurts them, even worse than they were hurting her, which then in turn, hurts her more. And she says that he is the only man who has stuck with her. And I said, and there it is. She has literally said the choir part out loud. And he says that he is in this 100%. And she does say that she's going to try and work on her insecurities. And I said, that's great. And I said, this was actually very interesting to see her kind of realize where she has kind of gone wrong in this, that she's so aware of the, the the things that maybe are holding her back a little bit. I was very surprised to see this. And it was really great to see her be so aware of it. And I really commend her for that. Um, I, I, I really do like Jasmine. And I hope that she can get out of her own way to be happy. And fuck, fuck Gina. It's not just about Gina. Just be happy in general. Um, but y'all, one therapy session really works wonders, man. 
Anyway, clearly I'm going about this all wrong. I should just be doing one session. Anyway, <laughs> but that is it for Gino and Jasmine for this week. Next, we are going to talk about Tyre. We're going to just get through this really quickly because I could care less, as I've been saying. So we're still waiting. Okay. And he does kind of say, you know, it's the face that he loved, you know, it's not the person he's been talking to. And then in walks Carmilla. She puts her glasses on because she says, I need to see him. And this is really weird for both of them. Obviously, it's real mindfuck, Tyree says to, to the cameras. And he then comments on how nice she looks. And he explains to Carmilla, you know, kind of what happened, what got him into the situation. And he says at one point that the quote-unquote girl came on to him, which he then says was weird because that doesn't normally happen. And that's how we know that this got just really fucked up. Um, He says coming to meet her was hard. Going to meet the real Carmilla was hard because of the photos, obviously. He says that she is, so that she's really acting weird and wonders if it's because she is hiding something. Tyree, shut up. Good. Um, he then asks uh, whether or not she knows anyone named Christian from Barbados. And I said, first of all, Christian's on his name and he's not from Barbados. Let's continue. Back to the question now. She's not involved. Okay. Spoiler alert. We all know this. She is a victim, just like Tyree is. He says that he is no step closer to finding out who this is. You never will. He wants closure. And I said, you got the closure from episode one. You just refuse to look at it. And he says that talking to Carmela is a reassurance that he needed. And then producers ask Carmela, why did she want to meet up with him? It's complicated, she says. And I said, no, it's not. You're just here for the money. Anyway. She thinks that he is a great guy and feels sorry. He is thinking about the whole journey, um, that it's coming to a close now. Thank God. (laughs) She tells him, don't let this stop you from trying to find love, this whole situation. He says that she is sweet and he gives her this ugly ass candle. And he says that it feels like we are vibing. And I said, abort, abort mission. What? No. And he says, it's confusing, but it makes him feel really good. And I said, fuck sakes. So she says, thank you for the gift. And then he asks, are you in a relationship right now? She says, no, she should worry about her damn self. And he asks, would you want to keep in touch and stay friends? And he says, he won't do anything for it. And I said, honey, you're doing it right now. And, um, he says, I definitely want to come back to Denver. And he says, you know, maybe we could travel somewhere. Where? Where the fuck are you traveling? And um, he says, you know, maybe I can show you around California because he's never been there before. And he says, if feels this experience made him stronger. And they hug goodbye. And he thinks that he has 
It was like he was maybe drawn to the online Carmela because he just wasn't confident to date in the real world. And I said, obviously. Not obviously, because people date online. It's not so much that, but whatever. Um, that's it, guys. And I hope I never see him again. I don't want to see him again. This is it. I'm over it. Moving on. Storyline finito. So hopefully that's it. But that is it for Tyree for the rest of my life. Thank you guys. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we will talk about Cleo and Christian. Do you want to spice up your love life? Well, you can make that happen by going to Love Shop, where you can get sorts of different things, whether it's for both you and your partner or just for yourself. For solo play, you can get things, all types of vibrators, maybe more kinky type toys, or you can just buy what every person may need, like lingerie or protection or even just something to make it a little more fun, like games or novelty things. You can do all of this by going to Love Shop, and you can use our unique coupon code REALITYT2 to get 10% on anything your hearts desire. So that's loveshop.ca, L-O-V-E-S-H-O-P, dot ca and use our unique coupon code reality2 that's r-e-a-l-i-t-e-a and the number two okay so we're back and we're going to jump in with cleo and christian So we see Cleo is on her way with her friend Jane to the Airbnb, as we saw last week. And we go over to Christian and he says that he's feeling deflated. And he says from his point of view, um, kind of what happened. And we kind of already know this, but what he does kind of say is when Cleo called him, as we know, he he says that she said he was manipulative, that he was gaslighting her, and she also called him a psycho, a psychopath. Um, and he says, like, does she even know me? And he feels this whole situation is a small thing that kind of got blown out of proportion. And I say, from her perspective, it's not a small thing. And this has really and truly nothing to do just with her being transgender. I think if a cisgendered woman wasn't, her place in the situation and you guys have sex and you say, okay, we're going to be transparent, but then turn around and not be transparent. 
even as a cisgendered woman, that's a problem for different reasons, but it's still a problem. We're still going to have an issue because we're like, okay, well, why don't you want the world to know, I guess, in a sense, like, what are you hiding? So for him to say that it's a small thing that got blown out of proportion is ridiculous. Anyway, um, he says, you know, this could have been fixed with better communication. And I said, but you guys talked about this the night before, according to Cleo, and in so many ways, according to you as well. So what more did you two need in this moment? Anyway, Christian is meeting Jane for the first time because they get there and he says hi. And he's not very thrilled about the circumstances of which he is meeting her. And he says that he feels like he isn't getting a fair shake at the moment because it's kind of two against one. And Cleo tells us that she really does thrive on emotional consistency, which she does say is very much tied into her autism, which is very true, very fair. And she says that she doesn't feel good and doesn't really know how well she will be able to articulate her feelings, which is why Jane is here, I guess. She just kind of needs that emotional support. So she says that he lied to her. And he says he wanted... So the reason he texted her on whether or not she said anything, according to him, is because he wanted to double check if she still felt the same way from the night before in terms of talking about their intimacy from, from that night. And I don't buy it because before <laughs> you say anything or ask her before saying anything, you told production that no, you did not have sex. You said everything leading up to but excluding the fact that you had intercourse. So I don't buy it for a minute. He's backpedaling. But she says that I told you that I felt fine about being completely open. And she says, why would I change my mind on that? Again, very fair. Like you have this conversation. Why are we beating a dead horse basically? He says that he is trying to avoid the situation, this whole situation. And what Cleo says, and I think probably a lot of us were thinking in this moment, you caused this, sir. Like, she didn't cause this, you did. So how can you avoid something that you caused? Um, and she says that you lied about what happened. And in, uh, like in the, not really in the moment, but a talking head, I guess, Jane says that she thinks that he is not ready to be dating a transgender person. I 
tend to agree. But he does ask Jane if she can leave um, so that he doesn't feel so ganked up on and he wants to be able to talk to her on his own, like on their own, um, in order to solve this situation. Jane does get up and she does leave the room, but she does kind of sit outside um, on the stairs outside of the room. So when we go back to them, he tells her his side of things in terms of this conversation over the phone, the fact that she called him a psychopath. And again, he says, I was trying to double check with you, um, but you didn't give me a chance to talk. She says that I did not say you are a psychopath, but that this is psychopathic behavior. He says he doesn't want to be in a relationship with someone where they call him these types of names. And she apologizes for not filtering herself. And the thing is, is see, this is a catch-22. Because on the one hand, it's like you want to be able to freely express yourself. And in normal situations, you are is what you would do. But when you're coming from a perspective of someone who has autism, sometimes it is impossible for them to filter themselves in that moment. And then after the fact, they're able to reflect on what was said and what was done and be able to apologize if need be. The problem is, is that I think in so many ways, I do wonder if Christian has done any research on autism because I wonder if he has this knowledge to some extent and is playing on it because is he, did he manipulate her? 100%. Did he gaslight her? 100%. Is he a psychopath? Well, maybe that's too far. But all these other things, she's 100% correct on. And he is, he's right now in this moment, in a sense, he is manipulating her at the very least. And that was what was so hard to see in this moment with this episode, was him literally manipulating her in the moment and her not wanting to lose this opportunity with him, this relationship with him, and kind of giving in, in a sense. So, it, it was tough. Um, She says that she doesn't understand why he would hide that they had been intimate with each other. She thought that maybe he just isn't ready to be with someone who is transgender. Um, in a public way. And he says that he could care less about what society thinks. I 100% agree with him on that. I don't think he's lying. I don't think he gives a shit about what society thinks. But then he says that he admits that he let what his family thought about this whole thing influence him and how he felt. And I said, that's it. 
because he knows to some extent someone in his life is going to see this episode, is going to see the show, these last two episodes, and know that he's been intimate with her. It's not about society. She's quite, she's almost there, but she's not quite there yet. It's not about society. He doesn't care about that, but he does care about the opinion of the people that he loves. And that includes his parents, his siblings, his friends. And the only person who seems to support this from what we can see is the friend who took him to the airport because his family is supporting it. And I don't know how far that extends, if it's the parents, siblings, I don't know. And then you have these other friends that we saw in the beginning who are not at all supportive and are, are very ignorant and just inappropriate with the things that they were saying. So they're not supportive either. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes home and the show airs and his friends are like, oh, well, you know, say something completely inappropriate about this whole situation. That's what he's concerned about. That's what he's concerned about. As he's kind of explaining what he is kind of feeling and thinking, she does kind of interrupt him a little bit. And he does say, like, I'm trying to tell you the truth, but you're not believing it. And she says, I don't want you to get upset. She said, I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. And she says, like, I am, or sorry, he says, I am upset. And are you really giving me the benefit of the doubt? And kind of starting rehashing a little bit. And he says, like, I had no issue being transparent about our intimacy. And she says, I think we're just going around in circles now. I already told you that I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt, but I feel like you're not listening. And he says, are you? Because I, I don't think you are. And um, he says, this was, you know, really tough, but this could help with their trust issues. And they do hug in this moment, but she says that she's still confused, but she is trying to keep the peace so that she doesn't lose him. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, you shouldn't have to keep the peace just so you can keep a man or anyone really. If you have to do that and not be your authentic self, then what's the point? Um, so Jane does come back in and he says to her, like, you know, I would like to, you know, start over with you. Like, let's go out and get like a coffee or a pint or whatever. And uh, Jane says, yeah, of course. And, but she, you know, she does leave. Cleo walks her out. And Cleo says that she feels bad for him about all of the questioning, which I'm like, but why do you feel bad? You shouldn't feel bad. You should be questioning him because you guys had a conversation and an agreement and he backpedaled on that agreement. Um, Jane, like the rest of us, feels he was just very aggressive, um, in his defense of himself. And I agreed. Like, again, for those who didn't 
watched the episode and didn't see his interaction with with her it was yeah he 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 was definitely very aggressive in how he was coming at her he kind of was I don't want to say attacking but he just yeah it was very interesting to see it it mm. I personally wouldn't have felt maybe safe in that moment. Um, just how he was acting with her. It's not like he was going to hurt her or anything like that. It's just, he was on a high level the entire time and just wasn't coming down until he felt like, okay, she's believing my bullshit, so let me come back down. That's how it felt. Um, and Jane basically tells Cleo to be careful. Um, and she also says that she feels for him that being right is what's most important. And again, I know Dr. Phil is controversial. I, I, I know this, but I think one of the things that I've learned from him um, and, and I apply in my relationship is, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And sometimes being right doesn't make you happy, but, you know, being, being able to talk and compromise, not so much compromise, but be able to hear each other out and realize where things need to be fixed and whatever. And you can hear both sides of the arguments is what's helpful. Kind of like what we're seeing with Jane and Jasmine right now. That's the best approach. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for Cleo and Christian for this week. Okay, so next we're with Statler and Dempsey. So we see Dempsey coming back from work and she is calling Statler's name. But of course, remember from last week, Statler is not in the trailer. Um, but she does find the card that Statler left. And the card says, I hope you had a fabulous day, exclamation mark. Let's have some fun, smiley face. Your first clue is in the field outside your front door, and the hunt has begun. XOXO Staller. So she goes outside looking for the clue, and she does find it. And the second card, it reads Good job finding clue two. Don't open your gift, but bring it with you. Your next clue is with. The wood in a bag. Go to it. You should. So Dempsey does find the next clue and her gift. And that says, meet me under the stars and grab your warmest clothes. I want to kiss you in the dark and roast some marshmallows. And you are all I desire. So hurry to the fire. So... Dempsey says that the unknown is making her very nervous. 
and she hopes that it's not a proposal because it would be too soon. And I said, well, it's not a proposal, but yeah, it's definitely something. So it's nightfall now and we are with Statler and she's nervous to be asking uh, Dempsey if she can move in um, because she's scared that she won't agree. So she feels like she's at a rose ceremony. So guys, I have a little crossover <laughs> with her bachelorette episodes, but she feels like she's in a rose ceremony because she's holding like a bouquet of roses. And she says it would really suck if she, if Dempsey didn't agree uh, with her moving in because it would mean they're not going as well as she thinks they are. And I said, you could be going well and not move in with her after like two days. <laughs> so Sattler does get there. Oh, no, Sattler, sorry, Dempsey does get there. Um, and they sit by the fire and they're drinking what is pomegranate drinks, I guess, with maybe vodka or something. Um, and as we saw in the episode, Statler is completely downing this drink because she is nervous, as she says. Um, and I wrote, it's liquid courage. So Dempsey opens the gifts and it's mushroom earrings made out of mushrooms because apparently Dempsey likes mushrooms. Okay. So then they are making s'mores. And Statler in this moment says that her feelings for, for Dempsey have grown. And she says that I love you. And Dempsey says that she loves her back. So we're on a good start here. Uh, Statler says, are you sure? <laughs> like, um, like, are you really sure? And she says, yes. Dempsey says, yes. So, and then Statler says, well, since, you know, I love you and you love me, you know, basically, you know, let's, let's be a happy family. And put a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Um, so, yeah, basically she says, like, you know, I when I get home, my lease will be up in about a month after I get back. And I'm not planning to renew the lease. And then she says, I think that I would like to move to England and move in with you. Yeah, it's happened. She has, she's done it. <laughs> so Dempsey says, listen, I, I do love you and I feel strongly for you, but I think we should take things slow and not move in with each other too quickly. Dempsey does suggest in this moment that maybe you could live up the road and maybe in like six months, you know, we can move in together after they have gotten to know each other a bit more. 
And Statler, like as she is saying this to her, is kind of shaking her head no. And Statler says, why? What is the point? You know, you know, when I'm all in. And in her, in the moment, she says, I don't know why she doesn't want me to move in with her. And I said, mm, okay. And the other thing she also says is that, like, if I'm going to move in with, if I'm going to move to another country, why wouldn't I move in with you? And I can understand that to a certain extent, yes. But you're clearly so hell-bent on moving to England that why not you get what you want and you're so closer to her. Um, but on the, on the other thing that she says about, you know, I don't understand why she doesn't want me to move in. Because how about the fact that you guys have only been talking to each other for eight months over text message. And this is the first time you guys were physically with each other. And you've only been physically with each other for a few days. Like maybe that's why she doesn't want to like think <laughs> she just she needs to think this through because like you tried this before with an ex-girlfriend and it not work out in your favor because she said it was moving too quickly so now you're trying to do the exact same thing and expecting different results when literally a week ago in the last episode but not even just a week, the same day, you realize, and it wasn't like it was in, in the moment, it was while she was doing the scavenger hunt, you literally say, I know it's crazy to do the exact same things again and expect different results. And then you want to be surprised that she says, no, don't move in. I'm, I think the biggest thing with, with Statler is that as she's kind of mentioned before, she struggles with being like feeling rejected because she's been adopted. She's kind of rejected, rejected by her adoptive family. She, she's trying to seek out this love that she has not felt, but you can't expect that from somebody else. Poor Dempsey has her own problems, right? And and maybe her own things that she needs to work through. But I also feel like she's done the work or has, is in the process of doing the work. Whereas Styler isn't. You have to work on yourself first. And then, and then you can, you know, maybe be in a better position to be in a healthier relationship. May I suggest better help? Like, I'm, I'm just... I, I, I don't, I don't know. So she questions Styler that she is, she feels like she, it's okay for her to move to England and live separately, but not live with, with Dempsey. What's, what's wrong with that? As I've said before. And again, I mentioned like, why would I move if I'm not going to live with you? Um, and she thinks, um, that they know each other very deeply. And I said, maybe, but again, for, you know, for, for, for Dempsey's reasons, she does not want to move quickly because she has in the past and it not work out well for her. And, um, 
and you're trying to move quickly. And she says, like, I just found, uh, this is what Dempsey says. So Dempsey says, I just found out that you've cheated before because I didn't know that before. And she says, you know, I haven't really asked about what happened with your ex-girlfriend. So how about we talk about that? And I said, yes, let's talk about that. And Dempsey asks Statler, like, do you still talk to her? And of course, as we already know, Statler says yes. She has. And Dempsey at this point is already is already irritated. But she says, when? And you find out that it was a month ago. And Dempsey says, why? And she asks, like, did you want to see her? And Statler says, like, I'm not hiding anything from you. But Statler does tell Dempsey that she told her ex-girlfriend that she was going to be coming to England to meet her new girlfriend. And then the ex then asks if she could pick her up from the airport, which we didn't know. But what we didn't know was that the ex then asked for them to stay in a hotel together in order to get closure. And I think all of us, along with Dempsey, says, closure for what? And Stella doesn't know. And Dempsey says, I feel sick. So I think it's safe to say that the ex didn't want quote-unquote closure. They probably wanted to have a terrible, like, she probably wanted to sleep with her for the last time. And I do wonder, maybe the ex, as we could see, didn't pick her up. And of course, that wouldn't have worked because she's on camera. But I do wonder if there was a moment where there is no cameras, and if Stellar didn't have a parasite, would the ex have shown up at her hotel room? I do wonder this. I do have to ask this question because what would have stopped her? She's cheated before, as she said. Here's a person that she has not yet met in person. What would have stopped her? Really and truly. I do wonder that. And I really hope that when the tell-all comes, Sean Robinson asks the right questions because I want to know what would have happened and find the ex-girlfriend. We have things to ask her. But yeah, that's basically it for Dempsey and Statler for this week. So now, last but not least, we're with Sheila and David. So we see him shaving and he goes out to see her because she's kind of like in a, like a food area waiting for him. And, um, he tells her that he shaved and she feels his face and she says he looks handsome. 
Then we see Amy coming in, our interpreter, and he thinks that Sheila likes Amy now um, and thinks that she will open up better now with with Amy. Um, She asks him how he feels after the funeral, or I'm sorry, he asks her how she feels after the funeral. And, and Sheila says, you know, obviously it's hard to accept what happened. And she says that it's very traumatic, which I can't even imagine. And she starts crying and he says that I love you. I still love them. And, um, he understands that it was traumatic and she knows that he wants to come to her, but it's hard because of the lack or the difficulty in communication. But she feels she has to set her grief aside in order to focus on the relationship while he is there. And he said, oh, that's such a tough situation to, to be in because you've lost your mother, which I can't even, and I hope hope I never have to know how that feels for a very, very, very long time, but you lose your mother and that's so difficult. And then you have to still somehow soldier on through because a person that you're with, that you love, is finally here to visit you and it's, it's such a hard position to be in. Um, so that day they're going to be meeting up with a contractor to look at the house because she says after her mother's accident, it really wants her, she, it really motivates her to, um, fix the house. Obviously they still have to live in this home after, but of course, as we know, um, she can't afford, to fix the house on her on her own and she does want to ask David if he can help. So she asks Amy to ask him how much he can afford and like how much does he make. And you can kind of see on his face when Amy translates that he's confused. But he says that he makes eight hundred dollars per week. So yeah. So if that, that's $2,400 a month. If my math is mathing, it's, it's not very much. I think it's about 24. Am I right? Math is not my strong suit. No, it's more than that. Definitely more than that. Forget it. It's not very much. I can't. And math was not my strong suit. Um, but yeah, it's a little more than 2400 right? Call it maybe $2,700. Um, either way, it's not much. So anyway, she thinks that this is a lot. And that you can get a condo in the Philippines for that much. And he does have to say to her, like, I'm not rich, but that he is definitely happy to help her. So we meet with Jupiter. He's our contractor. 
And immediately he asks where David is from, because he can clearly tell this person is not Filipino. And Sheila answers him and says that he's from America. And I wrote in capital letters, no, with exclamation marks at the end of it. Because now this is going to make him charge more. And we'll get to it. So Jupiter, he looks around and, you know, he kind of says like what needs to be fixed and everything like that. And then um, Jupiter says to the camera that Sheila is really lucky because the house has been like that a long time. And before you know it, it will be getting fixed. And he has the smile on his face. So what he missed in his sentence was that Sheila's lucky because she's dating an American who can give her the money to fix this house. And that way I can get paid. That's the only part he missed. So they do have to replace a lot of different things. Um, And because of that, along with the labor and materials, it would cost 100,000 pesos, uh, which is the, uh, which is $1,725,015 US dollars. David didn't think this would cost as much as it did. Now, that is not bad. But obviously, when you are a person who isn't quite making that a month. It's, it's a lot. And, um, and I do think that this person is gouging her because he knows, oh, your boyfriend's American, so he can afford it. Um, and he says, you know, let's discuss this in private. And he says that he does want to tell her about his financial situation. He says that in his, in the moment. So they are going to a sports called sports bar and it's called barcode. They both get a beer. Obviously Amy's not drinking cause she is on the job. And she asks, what do you think about the bar? And he says, it's a nice place. And she says, there are a lot of girls. And I said, okay, don't be a Mary, because you truly brought him here. Um, but he says, you know, I, he's like, I don't really know what to say to that. And she says, like, I could see him, in a, kind of in that moment, I could see him looking at the girls. And he says, no, I was only looking at their faces. He wasn't looking like, them up and down. So back to the bar, they are talking about the the house and she asks, how would you get the money? And he says, I can't pay for it all. He says he works two jobs and it's still hard. And she says that I am embarrassed to be asking him for money because she feels like, you know, I'm not working Um, and I guess she feels like she should be, and she wants to be, and she doesn't want to be asking him for the money, but she does say that she has no one in her family, 
who could help her with this. And um, he says, what if I give you money? Like, would that allow you to be able to find a job so that you can contribute to the repairs of the home? And she says, you know what, if you can't afford it, um, for, for the expenses, just don't force it. And she feels like he might, like what she's mentioned many times now throughout the show, that her fear was that she just didn't want him to think that she was using him for money. And she says, like, I feel like that's like maybe what you think. And he kind of hesitates a little too long and says, no, like, I don't think you're just with me for the money. And she, she does say that she doesn't want his money. And she realizes that he just really can't afford to take care of them in the future. And it does make her wonder about their future. Um, and he knows that things are tough, but he says that we will figure out a plan in order to fix the home. And I mean, there's not really much here to talk about, um, with them more than just saying what happened in the episode. Um, again, I still love them. Of course, I did talk about Jupiter and that whole situation with that, because I think that guy is definitely gouging. Um, but again, I mean, the, the core of it all, I love these two. Amy's kind of in the mix now and I kind of love her too. So, <laughs> um, and it makes in a different way, but yeah, I think that's, that's it for David and Sheila for this week. So now we're going to talk about next time on. So we see David is kind of bonding with her son, John Real. Um, and we find out that John Real does not want to move. That kind of poses a problem. Um, Statler doesn't know if they're still together after the night before. We see Violet and Riley. I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. Um, they're meeting up. Um, and he brings flowers for her. And she tells him off, basically, by saying, like, you didn't protect me. You should have protected me. You're forcing me to answer these questions. And then Cleo and Christian, they do a relationship chart. And it looks like initially everything looks fine, but apparently his chart shows that he is, he lacks sensitivity. Duh. And this person says that maybe they won't work out. Like maybe they won't stay together. And Cleo is completely devastated by this. We see Misha and Nicola again been a little bit for them as well. Um, and Misha, oh my God, is meeting his family. I'm shocked. I'm so shocked. But anyways, that's happening. And, um, apparently Gina wants baby and there might be a possibility that Jasmine just doesn't. Great. But 
that is the end of the episode. Guys, if you liked the podcast, please share Reality Tea Times 2 with everybody in your life. Also, if you liked the episode, make sure that you hit follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss a single episode. If you want to review the podcast or rate us, which we would greatly appreciate, it helps us with our growth, you can do so on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you are an avid YouTube user, you can listen to this episode on YouTube at Reality Tea Times 2 on YouTube. And if you want to connect with us, you can do so by following us on either Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Reality Tea Times 2. You can also email us at Reality Tea Times 2 at Hotmail.com. We have a website where you can listen to all of these episodes as well as get links to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages. And that is at realitytimes2.aludu.com. All of that information will be in our show notes. Well, that's it for now, guys. Thanks. Bye. Have you ever thought of starting your very own podcast? Doing the research, I found something that would have made editing easy and seamless and makes the podcasting experience just that much easier. And I am talking about Ludo. This is a podcast software that I use for editing of our episodes. It is amazing. It is easy. You're also able to get help from doing chats and getting the information that maybe you just need a little more help with. They also have access to different articles that can also help you that have been just godsends for me. Also with Ludo, you can create clips, you can do your ads, thus like this very one I'm doing right now, and you can create your trailer very seamlessly just by clicks of buttons. You can also use Ludo to publish your episodes just straight from the software. It's so easy. I highly, highly recommend it. You can get access to Ludo by using our unique link, which you can find on our show notes, just down there at the bottom at the show notes. And you can get access to an easy software.